Hey, Yogi, Sarah Burchard here, and you are listening to Yoga Unplugged Conversations, a show dedicated to helping you make tough life decisions so you can lead a happier, healthier life. I'm here today with the founder of Yoga Unplugged, Jennifer Reuter, and this is our very first episode. Jennifer and I have decided to launch this podcast because we want to support you when you are feeling down or stuck. Our hope is that with every show, you will learn something helpful, be inspired, and feel like you have a new sense of direction. When it's not Jennifer and I, I'll be interviewing other high vibration thinkers and healers who also have something impactful to share. We believe that when you surround yourself with positive energy, it enables you to rise and be the best version of yourself. And in turn, you inspire others to be the best versions of themselves. We want you to feel like you can turn on an episode of this podcast anytime, day or night, and feel better, like hopping on a phone call with your best friend. A quick background on Jennifer and I. Jennifer Reuter has been teaching yoga and meditation for over a decade. She studies several philosophies and religions, as well as the science behind meditation in order to give her students a well-rounded and advanced spiritual education. She's also a level two IREST Yoga Nidra teacher and sound healer, and is the mastermind behind Yoga Unplugged, a platform that brings teachers and healers together from around the world to collaborate on events, trainings, and retreats. As for me, I help run the back end of Yoga Unplugged. If you've ever been to one of our retreats, visited our website, or received our bi-monthly newsletter, then you've gotten a taste of what I do. I'm also a certified health coach and former chef. I promote local businesses and educate people about local food through my writing, farmer's market tours, and farm-to-table events under the name The Healthy Locavore. Well, Jennifer, what do you think? Should we get started? Absolutely. Thank All right. You. Yeah, thank you. So today we are talking about intuition. How to trust your gut. This has been a really tough one for me in the past. And it actually wasn't until recently that I truly started embodying this idea. I've always been the type of person who asked for advice when I had a tough decision to make. And although that's super helpful, depending on who you ask, <laughs> the answers that are best for you are always within. And the more you can trust yourself, the more independent you become, which is good because then you start doing what you need and want to do, not what others think you should do. It leads to more self-confidence, self-awareness, self-connectedness, and overall joy. So Jennifer, I want to start by asking you a personal question. I am wondering if you would walk us through the process that you take when you are faced with making a really tough decision. And then from there, I'd like to transition into the question of what does the term trust your gut mean to you? Okay. Well, thank you, Sarah. This is not something that comes easily when we're faced with a tough decision, a life challenge, some ordeal that is very profound. And for me, and I, as I share today, these are just my perspectives and my own experiences with this, trusting our gut. But it for me, it's been meditation and it's been a process. And I'd like to back up and part of the intro, you mentioned that I was um, a level two yoga nidra teacher. But prior to that, I've been studying Nilakanta meditation, which is a form of silent meditation for over 10 years with my teacher and really understanding what meditation is through him 
and I've been on retreats. I go three times a year for seven to 10 days. And I'm a teacher of that tradition. And that took a long, long time to achieve, which actually ended with 21 days of silent meditation in the desert after 10 years of meditating with wow. these, you know, three to yeah, seven to 10 days of um, three times a year retreats. So I've spent a lot of time in meditation and learning what that's all about, learning to be silent, learning to be alone with my thoughts. And that over time has really developed trust with my own being with this, uh, as the yogis say, there's the self within the self and this, this space of the heart. And I was thinking about the title of this, we called it Trust Your Gut. And it is your gut for sure. And so thinking about the nervous system, we know that the nervous system is very complex and it's also our inner technology of which we really have no idea how to use it. But the yogis did. The yogis knew this technology and they were trying to map it. One of those maps are, are actually the chakra system. And so the gut is mapping it onto the chakras is the Manipura chakra. And it's related to the self. It's related to our ego, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it's our personality and we need our personality. Uh, where the ego gets into trouble is when things are based in fear. But I bring this up because really what it, for me it's been about is about trusting the heart, which is the next chakra up. It is trusting the gut and we certainly get uh, things, we have sayings, I have butterflies in my stomach and oh, that made my stomach turn. We have sayings around it, but what happens is when we start to meditate, we begin to come into this fourth chakra, the, the heart chakra, which is about unity and connection. Mm -hmm. And really then these life choices, when we're stuck in a predicament, when it's challenging, we tap into what we need, but then also we realize that we're all entangled. And so the choices that we make affect everybody, affects our community, affects our families. And so we realize we're making these choices for more than just ourselves. not just trusting our gut, but trusting our, our heart. And so it is through meditation, my own practice, that I began to experience that profoundly, that what was happening I was able to realize, my teacher always said this, that you're getting information when you meditate, but it's non-conceptual. It's not coming through in English, in a language that you can understand that's verbal. It's pre-verbal and it's vibration, it's throbs, it's pulsations. And you learn in meditation what that's all about. And you learn to trust that more and more as you, as you have more experience with it. Over time, you trust that. And that has been my way as, as I've, and I'm still evolving for sure. But how I begin to make these tough choices is I, I begin with my meditation. And through that practice of meditation, I get calm, I get still. And that inner compass begins to align into the heart where I realize that whatever my choice is, it's not just me that it's affecting. That is such a great point. And I just want to underscore that. So trusting your gut is kind of what you're doing to see what decision you should make for yourself. And then trusting your heart is maybe what decision you should be making for you that also affects other people that are close to you. Right. And that yeah. is so important because you're right. You're, it's not, you're not just by yourself on this planet. 
you're with, you're doing this with other people. So that's a really good point. You know, you've talked a lot about um, internal messages or what you like to call downloads that you get during your meditations. And for me, like a lot of times like that, I feel like that, that's my gut talking to me. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about acting on those messages right away versus thinking them through with your head first? <laughs> yeah, I think they're important to think through with your head. So when we're meditating and we get a download, and, and we don't even need to be meditating necessarily. So the downloads are also transmissions that we're getting, and we're getting them all the time. We're getting them right now. We're getting them when we meditate. We're getting them when we sleep at night. We're getting them when we're with other people. And so the thing is, is that we, we haven't learned how to listen to them. We're not sure what, we're not sure how to listen to them. And I think that's, again, going back to meditation. Meditation is the practice platform of learning how to listen to the subtleties of transmissions. And also meditation is about purification. So the nervous system I love this. My teacher said once that our nervous system is just, it's got this greasy film all over it. And it's like a coating. We're just overstimulated. We're inflamed. We're fatigued. And we're looking at life through the lens of all of that, trying to make decisions, trying to do what's best, trying to listen to our gut. So meditation begins to clean house. It begins to clear out the debris, the rubbish, the grime, the dirt. It's again, the analogy of like looking through the window and the window's dirty. And so you're not seeing as clear as you could if you were to clean the window. So as we're meditating, we begin to clean house and then we're getting these downloads that come in sometimes really sharp and you wanna sit with it. And this has been the cue throughout all the retreats that I go on, because when you're in a situation where you're meditating all day, mm-hmm. you get a lot of different transmissions, yeah. a lot of insight, a lot, a lot of, of inspiration, a lot of inspiration <laughs> as well as a lot of junk uh, is also coming up. So it's a lot going on. And so the instruction is always when you have something that comes up, don't act on it right away. Sit with it and especially don't make life-changing decisions Mm. on a meditation retreat because it's slippery. It could be stuff going down the drain where it's a lot of purification and it's a little bit slippery. So we wait, we wait, we wait. We begin to journal about it and sit with it. And that, that usually makes a big difference than acting impulsively on something. So I'm yeah. cautious. Yeah, yeah. I'm a because, cautious person. You know, being on retreat is a different world. I mean, it's 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 like a fake world, really, <laughs> where it's like this <laughs> this paradise of just like you know your perfect day. But the real world is not like that. And yeah. so, what applies and sounds great and sounds totally doable on retreat, once you get back into the real world, may not happen. So I think that that's very good advice. Maybe not yeah. like pick up the phone from retreat and be. <laughs> Right. Or even like, say you're at, we're at selling your, the house. Yeah. We're moving to Costa Rica. It's like exactly. Maybe not even the if, say you're meditating at home and, and something bubbles up and, and you feel very strongly about it. You don't have to be on retreat. But again, the idea is to journal about it. And certainly when we are meditating, 
we don't go into the story of this great idea or this aha yes. moment. We, we remember that. Ego, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it could be, it's hard to say. So uh, this is discernment. And when we're done meditating, it's nice to have that pen and paper and begin to stream into it. But you know, it's, it's interesting because as this is wisdom, this is just living your life. You know, when you do something that's not right, you feel it when you've had that difficult conversation and you said something you didn't mean to say, and then you go home and you're just sitting there and you're like, Oh, that felt, that felt terrible. Like I didn't want to say those words or, and, and so that's when we know we've done something or we know not to do something. It's very strong. There's no like, Hmm, I wonder if I should do this or not. You know, right away when something doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And so that's, Usually a good indication when we're trying to make a decision is to weed out the things we know. Those are not the right things. And this comes down to just a couple choices. And I always say, you know, how do I want it to end? Begin with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. And if I look at myself, well, five years from now, 10 years from now, what is this going to look like? And that usually helps accelerate the decision and bring clarity when I bring it to that point of, well, if I only had six months left to live, would I choose this? Would I choose that choice? Mm. How do you feel about listening to signs from the universe? And do you believe in that? Well, again, it's keeping the eyes, the heart, the senses open. Uh, So we have this idea of meditation with the eyes closed and then with the eyes open, we are, you know, practicing that moment to moment being in alignment and being in tune. Mm -hmm. And I do believe the universe is trying to transmit to us moment to moment, knowledge, inspiration, creativity, insight. And so signs from the universe are happening all the time. I really believe this. Whether we're dialed into it or not, see, that's, that's the question. And whether the eyes are open or closed, it really doesn't matter. It's a skill that we begin to develop. So signs from the universe, say with the eyes open, it really is about how, again, clear the mind is. I love this quote from Krishnamurti. I, he was, I blogged about him in my last blog on jnana yoga, which is the yoga of knowledge. And it's try, again, it's right along these terms of knowledge is coming at us, insight, signs, if you want to use that word, transmissions are coming at us all the time. And he talks about this. He talks about how are you listening to all of that? How are you listening? He says, do you listen with your projections through your ambitions? He says, do you listen with your desires or your fears, your anxieties? Do you only listen because you only want to hear what you want to hear or what will bring you comfort? So, and he calls these things screens. We're listening through these screens. And so we're going through life as the universe is trying to send us signs with all this static in our head, our desires, our anxieties, our fears. And it's, it's creating literally static and blocking the signs, blocking that information coming through. So it's the clear vessel, like how clear, how purified, purified can we make ourselves clear out that nervous system so that we're like, like a radio. So I often use example, when I meditate, I feel like I'm a radio. I like imagine this antenna going up 
and it's just tracking information like coming in that's it's all around i'm not forcing i'm not trying to make myself scan for things but it's it's a fun metaphor i like to sit with every once in a while because it feels that way i feel wow i'm getting intuitive hits here Mm -hmm. and so can I do that then walking about life in the grocery store when I'm interactions with others? And sometimes when I'm with somebody and I'll, I'll be, uh, when I met you, Sarah, I just knew I, when I mm-hmm. met you on retreat a couple years ago and just sitting with you, I just felt there was something that was going to happen with our relationship and I needed to follow through with that. And so I just follow through. And then this seems like the universe just takes care of it. It's like, I don't have to do anything. It's just, you're just following the trail. And then, and that's what they say, right? It's like going, we want to go down the river, not up the river. So that's life. Yeah. It's, it's a perfect example of like synchronicity. So it's like these coincidences, I say in quotes, you know, that happen that you think that, oh man, I just stumbled upon like just meeting this person at the right place, the right time. It's like, no, I, that's not true. It's that you were open to that because those things happen all the time. But Mm -hmm. when you start becoming a regular meditator, when you start tapping into this other way of being, other way of being aware and open, those kind of things start happening to you all the time. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's our birthright. It's, it's how we're meant to be living in alignment with, with source, however one would like to define that. But this great mystery, this field of infinite possibility that's always available, it's operating through us as us. It's just, we're looking away from it. We're looking outward. And so that's helpful. We want to have the eyes looking out, but we also want to have the eyes looking back in as well in connection and harmony with that field of potential and possibility. That's our identity. Yeah. So it's, a, and it's also, uh, I wanted to also mention the power of Sankalpa and this is Sankalpa is our heartfelt desire or a prayer that we might have for ourselves. It's a vow. It's like our core code that that which we we uh are true to completely this core value of our heart our seed of our heart that's really important because that's the compass and wherever you place your attention your energy flows and the universe i mean it's just my experience in my own perspective but when we have our attention fixed on something it's as if the whole universe conspires to help us in that direction. Yes. And and that is the power of having that sankalpa or that prayer, that desire that's life affirming, that's noble, that that becomes our inner compass. And so people show up, projects manifest, ideas become downloaded and opportunities present themselves. So Absolutely. But you got to be living in alignment with who you are and what that is. Yeah. You've got to be showing up that way in the world for those things that you need to appear. Right. So I'm, I'm a big fan of seeking out help in a variety of ways. I read a lot of philosophy. I ad- ask advice from people I love and trust. I learn from experts. And I believe that my gut takes this information and processes it in a way that works best for me. 
What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that your gut is equipped to process outside information in a productive way that serves us? Or do you think that the gut is too biased because of our past experiences to make that sort of objective call? Yeah, that's a great inquiry. I really do think it's both. I, I think we do have conditions, patterns. We know in the, uh, the Sanskrit, it's the, the samskaras. We <laughs> intensely are doing the same things over and over again. Those habits become our traits. Those traits begin to puppet us and we, they, we, without us even being cognitive of them, they begin to dictate our lives. We have our convictions about things. And so we do need to seek advice from others. We need to learn from others. I think it's important. I think that is, again, uh, coming back to meditation. It's this practice of being receptive. Uh, when we're sitting in a silent practice, particularly, we, we have what the strategy, one of the strategies is receptivity, is really becoming receptive because you know, you're sitting with the worst critic ever, which is yourself. I mean, really, I think the hardest critic we'll ever have is, is our own self. And mm -hmm. so sitting there and seeing ourselves uh, based off of our patterning and our conditions, the mind. And so learning how to just receive it, but not be judgmental, not being reactive, learning how to see it in a compassionate way, learning how to hear it in an open way. And so then that is a transferable skill we find as we sit with somebody else who might have a different perspective than ours, who might see it a little bit differently. And we sit with them and we practice that same thing we've been practicing in our meditation. And it's useful. We find, wow, where five years ago, I might've been closed-minded to what that person had to say. Today, I'm a little bit more open and just having a little bit more of a crack in our personality lets in more light. And it's really, there's so many ways of seeing things. That's why I love looking at different religions. I love comparative religions because there's so many ways of talking about source and different practices, different perspectives, and they're so beautiful. And so being able to hear those perspectives, it's to our advantage, but we're all, we can only listen, right? As well as we've been practicing. So, and that's, that's, so it, it's both. I find listening to our gut, listening to others, it's a nice combination. Yeah. Have you ever had, like, have you trusted your gut and, and went with something and made a decision and then had an undesirable outcome and then felt like you couldn't trust your gut moving forward? Mm -hmm. You just had a bad experience and then you're like, well, I trusted my gut last time and it didn't work out so good for me. So maybe I can't, almost can't trust myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think it's everybody's interpretation on, on that. For me, I choose to be the optimist. Mm -hmm. I chose, a cho I made a choice. The choice wasn't how I thought it was going to go. The practice that I have is one of the practices is surrender. It's to say, well, that's what came through at that time. Not to beat myself up about it. That's what I felt in my heart that I needed to do. It didn't turn out quite the way I wanted it to. I love Einstein's quote. He says, opportunities lie in the midst of difficulties. And so for me, it's like saying, there's something here to be learned. There's, some, there's an opportunity here that I missed. 
and there's growth for me here. And so it happens, you know, we all make, we all have a tendency sometimes to make a choice that isn't the best choice. I don't think it's, we beat ourselves up about it. I think it's, you know, obstacles, if we want to use that word, are placed in front of us to help us grow and become stronger and more resilient should we choose to see it that way. And that's how I choose to see challenges, poor choices I might have made, is that, well, I can grow from this and I can become better and tomorrow's a new day. Yeah. But does it, yeah, I wouldn't say it doesn't change my ability to trust myself. No, maybe, maybe I would have said that in my 20s, but as we get older, as we practice, I have so much faith in my meditation practice. It's unshakable. I, I, I really, I mean, have so much gratitude for my, my teacher because he, he would always say that. He said, my goal is to get you to run to your meditation cushion, <laughs> to really mm. trust in it so much that it's unshakable. It's that thing that you can count on. And it has been that for me. And I don't ever see it. I can't imagine my life without it. Like, so yeah. if I, if I move forward and make a poor choice, I check it up as, okay, Ganesha, <laughs> the elephant <laughs> that kind of comes in and places obstacles in front of us because he, he also removes obstacles that one of these Indian deities is half half elephant, half man. He's famously known as the one who takes away obstacles, but he's also known as the one who places them there. And he places them there so that we can see something new about ourselves and rise up and get that strength to meet and greet that whatever it is, obstacle. Yeah. And I think also an important thing to remember too is going with the flow. And knowing that these things pop up and are going to pop up and how gracefully can you navigate through them? Yeah. And, and maybe you've made a decision and now you need to change your mind because things have changed. Yeah. I, I love this quote by Swami Vivekananda. He says, in a day when you don't come across any problems, you can be sure that you are traveling the wrong path. Oh, oh, wow. That's a good one. (laughs) It's a good one. You're on the wrong path. I mean, problems, you know, I love, and I always joke, what am I? Inevitable. They're inevitable. (laughs) Yeah. So, one of my first teachers, Swami Shankardev, used to have it the bring it on mudra, where he has his fingers coming towards him, like bring it on. Uh, Because his teacher taught him that when he, his teacher, Swami Satyananda of the Bihar school, he said when he comes back in his next life, if there is reincarnation, that he wanted to have more problems because he didn't have enough problems in this life. I always like, oh my, <laughs> God. Oh my gosh. Oh, good. <laughs> that is sick. <laughs> like, bring it on. Bring it on. So more problems, please. Didn't get enough this time. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Well, that's a strong, that's a strong person right there. Yeah. And somebody who's, who's up for the challenge. So, <laughs> so what are, obviously meditation is a practice that we can use to tap into our intuition. Do you have any, are there any specific questions or journaling prompts that you use that help you tap into your intuition when you have a decision that you need to make so that you can act on your inner guidance? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And so the fundamental questions, who am I? What do I want? What is my purpose in this life? Sitting with that. And I love it because we just came into the fall season yesterday. I think it was yesterday, Monday or Sunday. And the fall is a representation of um, kind of taking inventory of what went well and what didn't go well. So it's definitely a time where the, we know that the sunlight decreases and it becomes more introspective. We want to kind of be a little bit more chill and have some downtime. And so using that energetic wave right now that's happening on this side of the hemisphere, we, we journal. And so I, this is the time for me to look at this year and ask those questions. What was really exciting for me? Where, where was the light? Where was I enthusiastic? And what, what wasn't I enthusiastic about and why? What was challenging and why? And as I journal, journaling is for me a, a real powerful tool. I understand it's not everybody's tool, but I can stream a lot of thought down that's been stuck inside. And then I get to mull it over and sit with it. So creating that time for reflection and journaling and then looking at the year and asking those questions helps me formulate the new year because then I feel, okay, my intuition, you know, it's, these are the messages that were coming through all year, but I didn't have a lot of time to really sit with them. So journaling is just another tool to sit with some of those transmissions that were coming through, those pings we were getting. Oh, yeah, that wasn't that exciting. That was kind of challenging, that project I did with so-and-so or that relationship that I had. Why was it challenging? And trying to take, looking at it like an onion and just peeling the layers back to try to understand, because it's, it's me, I know, when we're challenged and when our buttons are pressed, there's something there, there's a shadow there that needs to be looked at. And that helps inform us. So once we get that information, it informs us for future choices that we're about to make. It also is purifying the channel, that grime and that residue that's clunking up the pipes, if you will, mm -hmm. to be able to get transmissions. We need to kind of clear out the pipes a little bit digest and assimilate life experiences so that we can become that clear vessel, that clear channel for future transmissions that are coming through. So that's one thing that I would yeah. highly say for journal, people that do like to journal, that's a wonderful thing to ask these questions, particularly right now, because we're about to move into that winter solstice and cast those seeds for 2020. So we're moving yeah. out of a decade here and starting a new decade and it's just the time is now to take a couple days between now and December 21st and just ask these questions and, you know, begin to assess and formulate plans for, you know, the course, the next course around the sun, the next trip around the sun. What's that going to look like or how do we intend that to go? Yes, I love that. That ties in perfectly to a quote that I wanted to close with. This is a quote of Steve Jobs. Uh, my friend Wendy Chen just included it in her new book, The Year of Knots. And I was going through it 
just this afternoon actually, and I came across it. I was like, oh, this is perfect for what we're talking about today. But he said, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backward. So you have to trust the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. And I think that is so true because you never know how things are going to wind up, but you have to trust that if you're doing what lights you up and what you find purpose in right now, that it will lead to something great in the future. Beautiful. Absolutely. I mean, I, I could, we could talk all day on this topic, but I think it's time for us to wrap up our first show. Is there any last nugget of wisdom you would like to share on this topic before we go? Um, my last nugget is just for us all to keep practicing, bringing our attention back to this moment. Uh, mind wandering has gotten, you know, <laughs> with our <laughs> digital world has gotten more crazy. Um, listening is impaired and our nervous system needs purification. So my last nugget is even if it's five minutes a day, just get still, get quiet and start coming back to your own knowledge, this field that's always there. It's always dwelling inside. And it's, I love the Sufi said that your soul, your spirit is closer to you than your own body your soul, your spirit, this inner wisdom, this, this love, the unconditional love, if you could use that term, is closer to you than your own body. Mm. So get, get quiet, get still. Yeah, Dial amen. Dial in, <laughs> baby. It. Awesome. Well, <laughs> okay. thank you, Jennifer. Awesome talking to you as always. So we'd love to hear from all you listeners out there. So please let us know what you thought of the show. And if you have any topics or questions you'd like us to tackle on the show, we are here for you. So please let us know. And if you'd like to join in on the conversation with us, you can subscribe to our newsletter at yogaunplugged.org. You can find us on Facebook at Yoga Unplugged by Jennifer Reuter. Reuter is spelled R-E-U-T-E-R. Or you can connect with us on Instagram at yoga underscore unplugged. Thanks for listening. Namaste. Namaste.